Shalom, and thank you for listening to the weekly teaching from Nachamu Ami. It's our honor that you've chosen to participate virtually, and we hope that this lesson will be an inspiration in your daily walk. Don't miss a single teaching. Be sure to download the Nachamu Ami app by visiting our website at www.makeandmessianic.com and clicking the Download the App button in the top left corner. Enjoy the message. I am issuing you an invitation today. I'm issuing you an invitation into my mind. It's a terrifying place. So much happens in there that it's just scary. But I want to do that by way of talking. Uh, If you're visiting today, first of all, I didn't even say it. We have some blue cards somewhere. We did have some blue cards and someone will get them for you. Ruthie has them. We would love to stay connected with you, to you. We'll send out a monthly email that just kind of keeps you connected to the synagogue. And so if you fill out your information, we'll be able to do that. Of course, you can unsubscribe at any time. But today is kind of a unique day to visit because we're talking a little bit about or a lot about what's coming next. What is the vision for the synagogue? And so if you haven't been here for the past 10 years, it's kind of a strange thing to listen to that. But nevertheless, it should be exciting. I actually, I want to ask you a question. How excited, ask me, ask me how excited I am about what I'm going to share today. Very, so excited. You can't even, sorry, sometimes I yell too. Um, the, the what? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but I had to really ask Hashem and the Holy Spirit. This was one of those weeks, and I talk about them. One of these days, I should just not talk about them. I should just do it. But I have those weeks sometimes where I go all the way through, and I have, there's just, I have one thought in my mind that I know I need to talk about, but I keep looking for other things to talk about. Because, uh, like, well, I can't do that. I need to be talking about this, or I got to talk about the Torah. I got to do this. And I read, and I studied, and I prayed, and nothing but what I needed to tell you today came about. And it's not something that I can study through. It's not something that I can make great notes on. I have to absolutely and totally rely on the Holy Spirit to be the one who directs the conversation. So that's what we'll do today. You ready? I had to ask, how much can I share about what I really feel? But if I invite you into my mind, I have to, I have to share it all. Here's the depressing part. I have spent the last, mm, well, spent a long time. I've spent approaching 18 years connected to Messianic Judaism and congregations and organizations and ministries and all kinds of stuff. But especially over the last year, I've had the opportunity to look over bird's eye view Messianic Judaism. From, co- from conferences to talking to other congregational leaders to doing just all kinds of things and seeing how congregations are structured and developed. I've seen things through First Roots of Zion. I've seen things through the Union of Messianic Jewish Congregations. There have been new books that have been released. I've seen and I've observed and observed and observed. And do you know what I've come to the conclusion regarding Messianic Judaism? We are in big trouble. 
very big trouble. Because we have this trend that's going on in churches and synagogues, which who, who got my end of your video? Who saw it? Okay. Well, I talked about that a little bit, that this churches and synagogues that are closing their doors, and that's real, but you know what? Messianic Judaism is not really immune to that because there are things happening where people are not engaged, and here's the bombshell. Here's the real bombshell. For roughly since the 60s when Messianic Judaism kind of emerged out of this Jesus movement baby boomer thing, it started way before that. As a matter of fact, it started roughly around the year 30. That's where Messianic Judaism was born. But it continued and, and into the 1800s and the early, uh, early 1900s, there were people doing things, amazing people doing things. But somehow or another, the history has been described as something that was birthed out of the Jesus movement by the baby boomers, hippies in the late 60s who decided, you know what, uh, we should bring Yeshua in place of Jesus and we should bring in these Jewish things and we'll eventually call ourselves Messianic, Messianic Jews. And there was a trajectory established at that point for what Messianic Judaism would look like. And here's, here's something challenging. For 35 years or more, 40 almost, we have been trying to do something. And there's certain things that you can do and certain things you cannot do. And they're just the hard rules. And... Here's what really bothers me. Who remembers the Vineyard Church? Everyone remember Vineyard? Everyone remember the, the, the Toronto Blessing, the Brownsville Revival, all these things that have happened that where are they now? And I've kind of come to the conclusion that the Messianic Judaism that we've been trying to sustain for 35 years might be a little bit of a fad. And that fad was filled with things like shofars on Shabbat and banners and Davidic dance circles and, and all the things that when you think Messianic, you say, yeah. And... Those things were attractive for a time to people. And they kind of moved in and said, ooh, this is the next new thing. This is a, another exciting thing. And that's not really working anymore. Because at the end of the day, if you do not have the Bible and learning and, and growing in your relationship with God, if it's symbols and actions and props and fads and, and weird things for that matter, eventually it gets really, really weird when people put a talit on a flagpole and wave it during a Paul Wilbur song. That's weird. And so we have, we have a problem in the sense of our mission. And, you know, what, what are we doing? What are we doing outside of our own personal 
growth. What are we doing? What are we accomplishing? And someone might be thinking, here he goes with one of these things where he's going to tell us about we got to get out and do this and do that and we're not doing this. And, and I mean, I work. I have a family. I have kids. I have bills. Like I can't just, you're the rabbi. You do this and let me do my thing and we'll just live as happy. That's not what I'm going to say. But I do want you to ask yourself, what are we doing and how long can we continue to do it? Because the problem we face is outside of Caleb and Jasmine and, and, and Annabelle and, and Anya, some of those mid people. Paul, you're not mid. You are three letters. It ends with D, but it's not mid. It's old. <laughs> we don't have anything to pass on here. Do you realize that? If we do not figure out how to make them passionate and how to make you more passionate, we do not have anything to pass on. Do you know this symbol? Do you know that symbol? Who knows this symbol? Everybody knows this symbol. This symbol was created with two words that went underneath it. And we've talked about these two words. Anyone know the two words that go under that symbol? Think differently. That's what goes along with that symbol. Think differently. And, you know, there is something to be said for thinking differently. But I am going to suggest to you that this very moment, it is time to begin thinking differently about what we have done and what is not really working that well and what we're going to do to make it better. Do you know this symbol? What's your immediate reaction to that symbol? Jewish Christian, that's a pretty good one. That's where it comes from. Any other reactions? Think of this symbol and give me your reaction as someone who's spent time in the Messianic Jewish movement. What does that symbol bring up? What do you feel when you look at that symbol? Unity, that's a word. Anyone have any negative emotions about that symbol? What are they? Assimilation. What was it? Mixing. Uh, what's that word that we talk about in Hanukkah? I can't remember the word right now where you mix things together that don't belong together. That symbol that symbol represents one of the absolutely forbidden messianic symbols. According to 35 or 40 years of current trajectory and history. Why? 
You read the complete Jewish Bible, David Stern doesn't even call that a cross. What does he call it? The execution stake, the stick, the whatever. Messianic Jews and Jews and Messianic synagogues do not use the cross. We don't say Jesus. We say Yeshua. We can't say Holy Spirit. We've got a whole different language, a whole little kind of secret code thing. We say Ruach HaKodesh. We say and do things because we aren't that. There are massively difficult considerations about that symbol, but here's something that you should know. The, the, this, the, the thing about insanity is the, defini- the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting to get different results. That's not at all the real definition of insanity. But here is a definition of stupid. <laughs> doing the same things over and over again that are not working and expecting to get better results. That's a definition of stupid. And I'm afraid, my friends, we're not stupid, but we are intellectually challenged at the moment when it comes to what we can possibly do to think differently and change the trajectory because I am one of those people. When I see that symbol, I say, Tch. Ugh. Ugh. Cross. The cross. Anti-Semitism is a word that comes when you think of the cross. You think about Jews looking at a cross, onward Christian soldier, cross on the shield, cut your baby out of your womb in Israel, crusades, that's real. And so as a Jew, as, a, as a, someone who grew up Jewish, that cross has some negative implications for me. Calling it an execution stake doesn't change that. And, and all of the things, all of the code, all of the little things, they don't really matter. However, these people, a, an apple with a bite out of it is not really that challenging of a symbol. That is for us and for our future. But I want to suggest something to you. This is where that came from, by the way. That symbol came from one of the greatest messianic pioneers. He's on our wall in the Beit Midrash. His name is Avram Polyak. He called messianic Judaism Jewish Christianity. He was born in the early 1900s, died around 1960, escaped the Gestapo, escaped Germany, became a believer, not because anyone told him to. He just read it, and then he had conversations. And this was the book he wrote called The Cross in the Star of David. This is a Messianic Jewish symbol by a Messianic Jewish believer who lived in Israel and established in Israel. Who knows who Pauline Rose is? Have you read that book by First Roots of Zion? Pauline Rose had a house, and when we go to Israel, we'll go to Pauline Rose's house. She was one of Avram Polyak's disciples, Messianic luminaries. That was his idea. That's where that came from. 
What is significant about that? Why? Why, why am I even talking about this? Well, because today, quoting Avram Polyak from probably 1935, today both the Jewish Christian, substitute Messianic Jewish where you see Jewish Christian, today both the Messianic Jewish movement and the secret believers are lacking in clarity and perfection, but it is the beginning and not the end, the start and not the finish. He had a great vision in this time for being and creating healthy, thriving Jewish Christian communities. Do you, th I have a thought about where this might come from and where that symbol might come from and an important consideration of our trajectory that comes from Ephesians 2. It has always been one of my favorite Messianic Jewish, that is to say Jew and Gentile, one in Messiah scriptures. And it says this, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember, and here's where it gets just really boldly in your face if you're a Gentile. And that's who Paul's talking to. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope without God in the world. What were you separated from? Israel, the commonwealth of Israel. This is Paul talking. You were separate from Israel. Why does that matter? There is no hope outside of Israel. you separate from the covenants. You had no hope. There was no God. But now in Messiah Yeshua, Christ Jesus, you who are once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That's a whole nother sermon. It doesn't mean the Torah. That he might create in himself one new man. Wow, talk about used out of context, but one new man in place of the two. There's that word again, so making peace and might reconcile us both to God in one body. Through what? Paul actually wasn't afraid to say that. We would be reconciled together in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. Who is that? Who were far off? The Gentiles. Who were near? The Jews. And through that, he came and preached peace to those both. For through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Here is the problem. As I've thought through this, that is the perfect representation of Messianic Judaism, that we are supposed to be a light to the nations. We are supposed to be someone who can, a community, a body of believers, who can say to the church, and to the Gentiles, through Yeshua, there is peace and life and all this other kind of stuff, but not the one you know. 
Because here's this amazing thing, and it's so difficult to say it, but that's the perfect picture of what this should look like. Because you see, the Christian church, this is the historic reality of life. The church was born. Whether we think it should have gone that way or not, the church was born and has done so many great things and all that, but in the big picture of things, the church belongs in the middle of Israel. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. The church belongs in the middle of Israel. That's what that symbol says. That symbol says, this happened. Judaism, Christianity, they went somewhere else. And we still are desperately caught in the middle of things. And we're trying to have an impact. And the importance is, we have had really three things that we needed to do here in this congregation. We needed to establish something that was different than what already existed in Macon. There was already a certain type of synagogue in Macon. We needed to be something else, and we have done that. We are a, a community of learning. We're a community of study in depth. We want to be a community of kindness, a community of connection. Those are the things that we have done really well at times. Learning and community. That was goal one. That's a check mark. Number two, we wanted to be part of the Jewish community, authentically recognized within the Jewish community because of who we are, because of our observance, because of our understanding of Judaism and the way we teach and embracing Judaism as a whole, we are to a large degree embraced within the Jewish community. That's a huge thing in a messianic world. So we get a check mark there too. And goal three is that. Goal three is to continue to try what Avram Poliak was talking about, which he was really, really talking about Jews becoming believers in Yeshua. But he had a br brilliant and beautiful understanding of how Jews and Gentiles were all subsumed in Israel, each with their own unique identity. Goal three is help the church understand their proper place within that star. And we have not done that. We have not failed in that mission, but we have not succeeded. We must. Without losing sight of the other two goals, we do not all of a sudden begin to plaster crosses all over our synagogue, take this down and put a marble crucifix up here with Jesus hanging on it, which is actually how I got saved in the Christian church, Catholic church, staring at a life-size white marble crucifix etched in the most intricate detail of this man laying with his head down, and I was so freaked 
And it was so what Jews do not do. And I went home and said, what am, what, what am I thinking? What was I doing there? And now I'm scared. And God used all that. But that's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm talking about being willing to think differently. Now, I can tell you something. That being connected to a Messianic synagogue will not make you very popular in Messianic Judaism. The organizations that we're a part of, the UMJC, they would not really appreciate that. The Jewish community in Macon may not appreciate that very much. I will work on that. I'm not afraid of that. What I'm afraid of is a dead, lifeless, spiritless end to Nechamu Ami. Where we have just no real purpose. I just told you that story about the Catholic Church because I want you to understand something very important. The Messianic Judaism was established so that Jews could come to be believers in Messiah Yeshua. Do you know how many Jews come to be believers in Messiah Yeshua through the Messianic Synagogue? Microscopic. Do you know who leads them there? The Goyim, the church, the nations. And did you also know that while Jews may not be flocking to our doors to say, I want to become a disciple of Yeshua, I want to be... Did you know there are Jews in Macon who would come here? Do you know where they are? Tomorrow morning, they'll be sitting in the Sunday service with their Gentile wife or Gentile husband because they have no connection to their Judaism whatsoever until possibly they see a symbol that says, wait a minute, I know the cross, that means Jesus, and um, I'm Jewish, I remember. And the wife says, hey honey, I've been studying this thing about the Jewish Jesus and I found this, look, what these, look at this symbol, what is that? And we might actually be able to connect Jews to Judaism, which is an important part of the Messianic Jewish synagogue. It still remains our primary mission as a Messianic synagogue. It is. These are my brothers and sisters. God put me in this position to lead this place. I have an incumbent, it is incumbent upon me to share Messiah Yeshua with Jews. But I am not so proud to admit that the church is going to do it better than we are. <laughs> but not with what is currently being taught. That Jesus did away with Torah. That Jesus doesn't care what you do about what you eat and all this other kind of stuff. And I'm not saying just like trying to make everybody Jewish. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying if you really want to impact Jews, picture and present the Jewish Jesus 
we, my friends, are surrounded by Christians. Surrounded by them. And do you know what? Again, I'll say what I said in that video because it's important. First Fruits of Zion Torah Club, every single day, someone joins a new Torah club. Usually, 10 or 20 people join a Torah club. Do you know where they're coming from? The Orthodox synagogue? No, they're coming from the church. We don't care about them. Yes, we do, because they're going to have a huge potential impact in the Jewish community too. We do care. And we need to think differently about what we're doing, why we're doing it, and what the end result is. And I'm just going to say it. We also need to bring some new life into these walls. We need to bring in some people who are hungry, who want to learn, who want to serve, who want to connect. We've all been doing this a long time. We can get worn out. The greatest thing in the world would be to some more, see some more Caleb and Jasmine, some Jonathans and Katie, some Zach and Savannahs, and some old people like Paul. <laughs> the greatest thing in the world for you and your passion. And for goodness sakes, we've got to get out. So here's the part where I tell you you got to do something. We really should do something. It feels good to do things for people. It feels really good to do things for people with other people that you like doing things with. You see all that doing? It's legalism, man. It's works. It is works. It is doing good works together as a community and building and building and building. So we're going to become a church. No, we're not going to become a church, but we're not going to be afraid to think differently and change some of the things that have not worked. Because I'm sorry to say, I love you all. I'm so grateful that you're here. But this to me is not the picture of something that's thriving and alive. Don't take that as an insult, it's not. This place would not be without you and will cannot be without you. You see, I'm inviting you into my mind because what I'm saying is we need to go forward together, think differently, do different things, be willing to shake things up a little bit. That's what I want to do in 2020. Because this is what Polyak said somewhere in the cross in the Star of David. If the Bible is true and if Yeshua is the Messiah and the King of the Jews, then the Jewish Christian moment, movement is the most important phenomenon of our time. The distinguishing feature indicating that the world has come to a turning point. We are at a turning point. We must turn. What does this exactly mean to you, Damien? What are you talking about? I'll tell you more. Not now. I'll tell you more. I'll share with you an incredibly new way of doing what we, not, not a new way, an incredibly new and exciting attitude about who we are, 
what we do, why we do it, and we can begin to see some real fruit within these walls and outside these walls. We can, we will, and we will see some Caleb's and Jasmine's and some Zach and Savannah's and some Jonathan's and we will see older people and we will see younger people and we will see that happen because I believe that. I believe that what we do is the most important phenomenon of our time. I believe it has been waiting to be the most important phenomenon of our time, but we're still trying to figure it out. So here's the deal. What we're doing isn't blossoming. It's not showing great success. Let's do it different. That group, that symbol, if you think about this, literally changed the world. How many have an iPhone? That's why they have billions and billions and billions of liquid cash. Apple. They changed the world by doing things differently. I mean... It's crazy, actually. And some conspiracy theorists would suggest that the iPhone is going to be the mark of the beast and we're going to hold this up and we're going to get into the, into the grocery stores with our iPhone because Apple's satanic and Steve Jobs was a Buddhist. Over the next month, I'm going to begin to share with you it's all built on the parable of the talents. It's built on the fact that what you've been given, you need to share. You need to invest. It's built on Ephesians 2. Peace, 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 connection. Walls of, walls of separation brought down. But you know what it's mostly built on? Shalom. James 3.18 creates presents a, a, a life verse to use a little church lingo. What's your life verse? Well, I like this one. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Anti-Semitism and, and you know, all the things that that symbol suggested from our, from our old way of thinking, let's think in a new way. And let's think of what we can do if we embrace unity and peace and really try to get out and impact our community. God is with us. Apple changed the world. I guarantee you, guarantee you, we can change the world. But for the world to come, not just a phone, but to really, 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 if we will take the Apple model and think differently, I just know, I just know. That's why I'm excited. That's why I'm excited. I'm excited to be with you. I'm excited for the future. And as I said, I'll tell you more, but for now, begin to pray. Begin to pray, and of course, as I said in the video I sent out, of course you're supporting the synagogue because when you think differently, it also costs money. 
That's another story. It's not for Shabbat. Okay? So, that's, that's, that's the inside of my brain for about the past six months. I hope that together we can change the world. So dramatic. I mean it. Shabbat Shalom. We hope you enjoyed the weekly teaching. We'd love to hear from you with a comment, a prayer request, or questions you might have. We believe the mission and message of Messianic Judaism is something the world needs now. If you enjoy these teachings, would you consider financially supporting the work of Nachamu Ami by visiting our website at www.makingmessianic.com and clicking the Give Online button in the upper right corner. Thank you again for listening.